Father God, we just give you praise and glory for this day. God, you are great and mighty, and you're worthy of our praise. Lord, I just pray that as we enter into this message, Lord, um, that you just allow me to step away and to just depend on you and your Holy Spirit. Uh, God, I just pray that uh, everybody in this room will receive not from me, but from you, and that I may decrease, Lord, so you can increase. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. All right. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Ecclesiastes 2. I'm going to start off with verses 1 through 3. Okay. Uh, my clicker is not working for some reason. Hey, uh, Brendan, can you go to the next slide, please? There we go. Let me see if this. Okay, it's working now. Great. <clears throat> I said to myself, Come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried sharing myself with wine and embracing folly, my mind still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. Now this text, like I said, is believed to be written by King Solomon, who was famous for his wisdom. But Solomon had found that wisdom was limited in what he could achieve um, and what he could, what he could profit from his labors. The only thing that wisdom had really given him was a point of view that told him, oh, okay, everything's pointless. He gained an understanding that everything was pointless. So because of that, because of in all his mighty wisdom, he, could, he, he, he looked through everything. All he could see um, was that it was pointless. And because of that, he turns to pleasure. Now, I know that pleasure has a very negative connotation, right? When we think of pleasure, we think scandalous. We usually think um, something sexual or something inappropriate. And don't get me wrong, Solomon was definitely pursuing pleasure. He definitely pursued things that were scandalous. But the original text actually doesn't use the word that directly translates to pleasure. The word that it uses, yep, my clicker is still not working. If you can go to the next slide, please. I don't know what's going on. Um, but the word that he uses is, nope, that was one too many. Okay, sorry guys, I don't know what's going on with this today. Um, but the word that it uses is, is simcha. Simcha. Everybody say simcha. Simcha. You have to say it with your throat. I practiced doing it for a while. <laughs> simcha. All right. So simcha means joy, gladness, or gaiety. And I don't think that any of us would think that joy or gladness is bad. Right? In fact, I think that we'd argue that it's a good thing. We'd argue that joy is something that might even be essential for human living. But what Solomon discovers during his time on this earth is that the pursuit of these things in hoping to gain something is just as pointless as him, or is just as pointless as him trying to use wisdom in order to gain something. So let's go back to my life. Right? Video games used to be something that I sought out when I was seeking to gain joy or when I was seeking to gain excitement or seeking to gain something like that. And again, I don't think that playing video games is bad, but what happens when you start to depend on them, right? So let's say, first I'm just playing video games for fun, 
You know, nothing wrong with that. But then let's say I start playing video games every time I get angry. Then let's say I start playing video games every time I get sad. And then every time I start, uh, every time I get rejected, I start playing video games to cope. And then what happens is I end up turning it into an idol that comes before God. And I'm depending on those things when I should be depending on the Lord. So what's an idol? An idol is anything that replaces or comes before God. Now, I know that this may seem a little bit weird, right? Because most of you guys have read through the Bible and we see like, oh, they're bowing down to statues, to uh, things made out of gold and silver. Well, yeah, back then that's what they had. Back then they had golden statues. They had false gods. But what do we have nowadays? We have games. We have our phones, girlfriends, boyfriends, celebrities, influencers, social media. Well, if you're sitting there and think, okay, well, I don't worship my phone. I don't worship these influencers. I don't worship these celebrities. Let's look at the definition. Anything that replaces or comes before God. So if you wake up in the morning and the first thing that you do is want to get on your phone and scroll before you talk to the Lord, you may have an idol. If you go on TikTok, if you go on Instagram, every single time you're feeling sad or anxious or angry to get your feelings, that's an idol. What does 1 Peter 5, 7 say? It says, cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Cast all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. That means that if you're casting your anxieties onto TV, video games, Instagram, to a girl, to a boy, to somebody else, it's replacing God in a specific aspect of your life. And sometimes what we do is that we like to justify the pursuit of seeking, right? We like to justify the pursuit of joy and happiness and things in our life with our labor. I've been at school all day. I deserve to seek pleasure for the next six hours before I go to bed. I just went to church. I've been here since 8 a.m. I deserve to seek pleasure for the rest of the day. Right? We try to justify our pursuit of happiness, our pursuit of simka, with our labor. Well, Solomon advises against this kind of thinking. Let's go back to verse 1. He says, I said to myself, Come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Solomon tested it out so you don't have to. <laughs> so the pursuit of pleasure will often lead to a feeling of emptiness and meaningless. And more importantly, the pursuit of pleasure will often lead you into sin. And if you don't trust me on that, I pray that you would trust one of the wisest men in history, which is King Solomon. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to do some table discussion questions really quick. And uh, take a few minutes. I want you guys to answer, what are some areas where people struggle to pursue God, and, uh, or excuse me, struggle to pursue God and instead pursue Simcha? And uh, do you find it easier to cast your anxieties onto other things of this world rather than God? Take a few minutes to discuss that, and then we'll come back. All right, guys.
So what are some areas where people struggle to pursue God and instead pursue joy, gladness, or gaiety? Answers. Raise your hands. So no, what did you guys just talk about then? If nobody has anything to say. Thank you. Social media? Yeah? Give me another one. Yes. Your future and your career. Rebecca, you had one? Sports. Okay. And do you guys find that it's easier to cast your anxieties onto other things in this world rather than God? You could just yell out yes or no. It's fine. Yes. I, I think so too, guys. We're in the same boat, truly. I'm still learning and I'm still growing. But I feel like another thing that, uh, that people can struggle to pursue, I feel like another thing that people can struggle to pursue uh, is materialism. Does anybody know the definition of materialism? <laughs> well, Alan, feel free to share with us anyways. And uh, can I get the next slide, please? Um, well, materialism is a tendency to consider material possessions and physical comfort as more important than spiritual values. Right? So just like what Alan said, he was comforted by all of the clothing that he had, all of the materials that he had. And that brings us into the next set of verses, Ecclesiastes uh, 2, 4 through 11. Solomon says, I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit and trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and harems as well. The, uh, the delight of a man's heart. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In, all my, in this, all my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was gained. Chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. Solomon gained all that life had to offer. He was living a life full of materialism. He was practicing materialism, getting all these objects. He had women, he had money, he had riches, he had power. And he thought that it would bring him joy. And don't get me wrong, verse 10 says that he did enjoy it. He said, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure, and my heart took delight in all my labor. And this was the reward for all my toil. He said that his heart took delight in his labor, and that was his reward. I don't know about you guys, but that doesn't sound like a great reward to me. He said that he was glad that he had worked so hard. He was glad that he'd gained everything that the world had to offer. He was making everything in this world into his God. Lowercase g. Into his God. And you know what? Let me tell you guys, as somebody who's had just a little bit more life experience than you, that when you seek out the things of this world, it's going to be fun. 
when you seek out the things of this world, it will be fun. In college, I was going through a rough time, and I didn't exactly process all of my emotions regarding it well. I started dating this girl. I started spending a lot of time with my friends, and it was fun. I had a really good time. I'm not going to lie to you. I'd fill my free time with people, with TV, with video games, and other activities that in themselves were not bad. But during the midst of that, I wasn't reading my Bible. I wasn't praying. I wasn't going to church. Honestly, I felt like the only time that I was praying during that time period of my life was when I was repenting to God for sin that I knew that I was going to go and turn around and do again. But it was fun. Sterling had a good time, and that's all that matters. But you know what? On the inside, I didn't even realize that I was suffering, that I was hurting. But I distracted myself with the things of this world so that I wouldn't have to deal with the pain and the emotions that I was going through. I enjoyed myself, and everything that I had came from me. Everything that I had, I worked for. Only later did I realize that I was idolizing all of these things. I was hurt, and instead of turning to God, I turned to whatever brought me simcha. And although my schedule was full, and although I was living the college experience, at the end of the day, or in those quiet times that I had alone, I felt empty. I felt meaningless. But in my own pride and my own selfish desires, I thought that I could be the one to heal my own pain. And so I denied myself. I, I denied my heart no pleasure. And not just that, but I allowed myself to ignore the voice of the Holy Spirit in my heart. And, to, and that just led me to being in a terrible place, not just mentally, but in a terrible place spiritually. So when we seek after our own pleasures, and selfish desires, it'll be fun for a season. It'll be fun for a season. Yes, the wicked people may appear to prosper on this earth, but guys, guess what? They have to answer to the same God that Christians have to answer to. Muslims, Jews, Catholics, black or white, young or old, we all answer to the same God in the end. So if there is no God, then, then what's the point? If there is no God, then we don't have to live our lives purposefully. If there is no God, then we don't have to live our lives in a way that would make God proud. And I think Solomon would truly agree with you there. In Ecclesiastes 9, 1-7, through 7, he says, So I reflected on all this and concluded that the righteous and the wise and what they do are in God's hands, but no one knows whether love or hate awaits them. All share a common destiny. The righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, the clean and the unclean, those who offer sacrifices and those who do not. As it is with the good, so it will be with the sinful. As it is with those who take oaths, so with those who are afraid to take them. This is the evil in everything that happens under the sun. The same destiny overtakes all. The hearts of people, moreover, are full of evil, and there is madness in their hearts while they live. And afterward, they join the dead. Anyone who is among the living has hope. Even a live dog is better off than a dead lion. 
For the lion, excuse me, for the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no further reward, and even their name is forgotten. Their love, their hate, and their jealousy have long since vanished. Never again will they have a part in anything that happens under the sun. So go eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart, for God has already approved what you do. Guys, he says, if no matter what we do here on this earth, we all end up sharing the same faith, then it doesn't matter. Go live your lives for yourselves. Go be selfish. Go seek pleasure. Give into your temptations. Take what you want and apologize. Never. Because if we all end up in the same place, then who cares? Who cares what we do on this earth? But we don't. We don't all end up in the same place. Because the end of physical life, the end of physical life, is not spiritual death. What does John 3.16 say? Anyone? And I'm going to continue on in that. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because, of their, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for the fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. So as Christians, we believe that God sent Jesus down to earth to live a perfect life and to die a perfect death and resurrect three days later, defeating death. That means that when my time has come on this earth, I have faith in a higher power, not in a higher power, in the higher power, in God. I have faith in the promise that my God made to me that I have eternal life. And that if I put my trust in him, I get to experience that. But guess what? The hope isn't just in heaven Life with Jesus starts on earth today. We get to experience his love. We get to experience his patience, his kindness. We get to experience relationship with God. God's word is real and has transformative power. And if the only thing that you're seeking is a reward in heaven, then you are missing the point. Walking through life on this earth with Jesus is a gift that nothing can compare to. It starts now. We experience Jesus today. But if this is your first time hearing this, or if you've heard it a hundred times, and this is your first time that it's clicking, please, come talk to me. Come talk to another leader in this room after the message, and please allow us to give you more information. We would love to have that conversation with you. We experience Jesus today and we have a hope and a promise that God has made to us, to all of us as fellow believers. So our time here on earth isn't for us. Let me say that again. Our time here on earth is not just for us. 
We make sacrifices in this life because God has promised us a reward in heaven as well. Paul took all the beatings that he took and the pain and, and the abuse and the imprisonment because of his reward in heaven. And he knew that he was faithfully serving his Lord today and doing his duty here on this earth. Matthew 6 tells us to store up our treasures in heaven where thieves cannot come and steal and where moths cannot destroy. And since we know that we don't just live for the now, since we know that we don't just live for what's under the sun, we don't live however we want. You know, I remember telling my dad literally yesterday, yesterday, I remember telling my dad that there was a person that I was angry with and that I wanted to forgive them, but that I did not want to keep continuing pursuing that friendship. When he asked me why, I said, I don't think that this person adds anything to my life. And he said, what if you're supposed to add something to their life? I was silent. What if I was supposed to add something to this person's life? What if God was using me to encourage this person? What if God was using me to share with this person? When he said that, I started crying, and I could feel the anger fading from my heart. I sacrificed my pride. I sacrificed my self-righteousness. I sacrificed the fact that I felt like I had been wronged because this life isn't just about me. But it's about how I live my life for Christ and how I represent His kingdom. Not for my own pleasure, not for my own personal gain. And I never could have released that anger that was in my heart if I were not walking with Jesus now. We're going to skip the table question because we don't have time, but unless you guys want to go over, I'm fine with that. <laughs> um, but before we close, I just want to give you guys some quick applications as we navigate this world that's full of pleasure and materialism. And when I say quick, I mean quick. I'm not like other pastors. Y'all know that. <laughs> My dad's a pastor, and when he says, yeah, let me just close by saying this, and then boom, second sermon. Um, <laughs> But, <laughs> but let me close by giving you guys these three applications. You are allowed to have Sinka. Control your Sinka and consider it dung. I know I had you guys with those first two and then consider it dung, <laughs> but you'll see. So guys, I hope that what you took away from this message isn't that Christians can't have fun. I hope that what you took away isn't that Christians aren't allowed to enjoy themselves while they're on earth. Because God wants us to live life abundantly, but within the boundaries of his commands. Let's go to Adam and Eve. God gave them everything. They had everything they needed to survive. They had fruit. They had food. They had dominion over the animals. They were ruling alongside the Lord. They had everything. Life was great. And all God said was, hey guys, you can eat from any of these trees. Just, uh, don't eat from this one right here. Right? And life was perfect in the garden. They definitely experienced joy and gladness in the garden. They didn't have to work. They didn't have shame. They were living life abundantly in the garden until they decided that they wanted to live life outside of God's boundaries. 
So God does want us to enjoy life. He wants us to enjoy life, but it's meant to be enjoyed with Him. It's meant to be enjoyed with Him. So that brings us to our first application. You are allowed to have Jesus. Guys, you can enjoy life, but you have to do it with God in order for it to have meaning. Solomon was seeking after uh, these pleasures and these things for, uh, from the wrong sources. He looked to everything of this world, but he didn't look to what God had to offer. Let's go back to my life again. In college, I had a bunch of friends, but I wasn't truly seeking after God. And so what happened? I ended up feeling empty. But now, I have the most amazing friends in the world. I have so many friends, so many people that I could call on. But what's the difference right now? Why don't I feel empty now? Well, the reason is that I'm walking with God and he's ordering my steps, which means that he's also ordering my friendship. And number two is that I'm no longer idolizing those friendships. I make it a point that before I talk to any of my friends about something that's in my heart, about a pain that I feel, that I bring it to God first. I used to turn to my friends before God every single time. And I made time for my friends, but I didn't make time for God. And I knew that God was important, but I felt like my friends were more important. And that's why I felt empty. And that brings us to point number two, control your simcha. Guys, you can enjoy the things of this world, but you can't let them rule your life. We talked about material things beforehand, and uh, we talked about materialism. So how many of you guys have jobs right now? Raise your hand. Okay, a bunch of you. And how many of you guys spend your money however you want it? Raise your hand. Come on, y'all are lying. <laughs> when I first got a job, I became very materialistic. I bought whatever I wanted, and I bought whatever I wanted, and it became stuff that I lost. I love getting packages. I love making purchases, even if it meant that my bank account had to suffer the consequences. But you guys know what I did the other day? I deleted Amazon off of my phone. And I didn't just delete it, but I also deleted my Prime account. And you know why I did that? To control my time. Solomon says that he denied himself nothing that his heart desired. And in my head, the thing that leads to desire is visibility and convenience. So as part of my control, I took that visibility out of the equation. I used to see things on Amazon and say, oh, I need that. But now I don't have Amazon, so I don't think I don't visibly see those things, and so I can't say, oh, I need that. <laughs> what I'm saying is that we have to know our triggers that will cause us to pursue certain things above God. And if you know your triggers, you need to do something to control them. And if you don't know your triggers, then you need to figure them out. And once you figure out your triggers and you figure out the things that you're pursuing over God, consider it dung. Does anybody know who that is? There in my arm? <laughs> That's John. That's my best friend. My closest friend, we have a very strong brother or bond and we live together. And uh, a few months ago, John and I were reading through Philippians and we read Philippians 3.8, which says, what is more, this is Paul speaking, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. In some translations, instead of garbage, it says dung. And that's why it says dung on the screen right now. Or it did. <laughs> um, but truly, I use dung because I feel like garbage gets thrown around a lot. 
right? But nobody really uses dung, so that feels like a little bit of a stronger language to me. And so after reading this, it really stood out to me. It really, I took that to heart. And so I did my best to consider everything dumb in comparison to Christ. I deleted all my social media accounts. I deleted all the streaming service apps off of my phone. And I spent more time with God and less time with the things of this world. But you know what was the one hard thing for me to let go of? It was my closest friend. Like I said, John and I live together, and so we're always hanging out. We're always together. And, you know, I noticed that I, in my shortcomings, allowed that to, get in, to affect the time that I spent with the Lord. I would tell myself, all right, I'll hang out with John. We'll play video games for 30 minutes, and I'll read my Bible. We'll just run to the store real quick, and then I'll read my Bible. Well, 30 minutes quickly turned into all day. It sounds bad, but I had to learn to consider my relationship with my closest friend, Dung in comparison, in comparison to the things of Christ. That, that means, no, I don't hate John now, and I don't just, I don't consider him dung. But in comparison to Christ, we must consider all things garbage that we may gain Christ. And so I had to take my own personal steps to ensure that I was getting my time with God and that I was doing what I needed to do. I bought a desk and I put it in my room, and that's where I do my quiet time with the Lord now instead of upstairs on the, uh, in the, on the kitchen table. And he's still my best friend, but before anyone and before anything, God comes first, and we must consider everything else done. And let me just close with this. James 1 says, don't be deceived, my dear brother. Every good gift and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly light, who does not change like shifting shadows. That means that God is our ultimate source of truth. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And if you think otherwise, you're deceiving yourself. God is the only thing that will never change and never shift. He is perfect in the time, He was perfect in the time of Jesus. And he's perfect today. So let God be your ultimate source of joy. And let him be your ultimate source of sweetness. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for just this truly wonderful day, Lord. I pray that uh, we can just learn to release the things of this world, to forget about materialism, Lord, to forget about uh, other people in comparison to you. God, that we let those things go so that our relationship with you would flourish and prosper. Father, I just pray that it starts with me and it starts with Christina and Lee and all the and all the leaders here, and that that would just trickle down throughout our student ministry, and that the students would trickle out into the world. Father, just thank you for this beautiful day, and I just pray that as we depart from here, that we do not depart from your presence. In your mighty name, we pray, Lord. Amen.